Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. Hey homies, I am here today with Olivia from Olive & Co. Hi Olivia, thank you so much for being here. Of course, so glad you invited me on. Yes, so the reason I'm I'm talking to Olivia today actually is because as we all are often in these Facebook groups, sometimes people will post something that just piques my interest and I just basically want to talk to these people and I want them to tell me more about certain things. So for Olivia, she posted something about um, her pricing structure and how she was formatting and quoting clients. And you can share a little bit more about that. But before we do that, Olivia, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your kind of your backstory on how you kind of got to where you are today? Okay. Um, So right now I'm based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I was kind of dabbling in graphic design and marketing before I came into interior design. I always loved the idea of it and the problem-solving aspect of it, but once I realized that I was able to have the opportunity to go to an accredited program close by, I decided to jump on it and start the program. And it wasn't until this year in January that I decided to also open my business, kind of running alongside getting my education done. I think that's really smart, actually. Like, I technically joined an online course, uh, the Interior Design Institute, and full disclosure, I never finished. But, you know, I think it's really good that you've decided to just start and not wait, you know, for the credentials because you don't necessarily need them and you're going to probably learn way more anyway. So what did you do? Do you mind if I, can I ask how old you are? I'm 22. Okay, guys. So first of all, I'm so jealous that you... (laughs) are able to be doing what you love so early in your life. I think that's freaking awesome. It's pretty Uh, great. And so what were you, would you say, and first of all, I don't know if you knew this, but I used to be a graphic designer. So I was a graphic designer. uh, Then I was a marketer and now I'm an interior decorator. So, so we share that in common. Um, So what were you doing before? I know you were dabbling. When you say dabbling in graphic design, what does that mean? Um, So at the time, I was taking some courses um, at a different university and also just kind of even through my high school years and coming out of like graduating from high school, I was always trying to find opportunities to help other people because I just spent a lot of my own time um, interested in marketing and advertising and how it worked. And that was kind of where my graphic design came in. Like I I was always drawn to graphics on computers because I could never really do things from hand. Yeah. Just, you know, drawing. I'm the same way. Well, I can draw, but I still, for whatever reason, I always go right to my computer before I draw anything. Right. I'm a Photoshopper, not a drawer. (laughs) Um, Okay. Sorry. Keep going. um, So essentially just helping other businesses. uh, And I, you know, took my classes, did everything. And then just kind of out of just one day out of the blue, I wasn't interested in my major anymore. I didn't like marketing and everyone was so excited they got into the program and I got in, but I don't know, the appeal just kind of disappeared. And I thought back to a high school class that I took of interior design. And, you know, when you kind of get into awesome. interior design, you realize like you look at HGTV and you're like, wow, that's so much fun. You could have put like 
fabric samples and everything together. And I realized there was so much more. And like specifically for me, I'm so drawn to commercial design and oh. codes. I love codes. I'm that weird person that really likes You are codes. that weird person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, once I found that I could actually get a degree and a career and a good career doing interior design, I decided to jump on the opportunity. So first of all, I can't believe your high school had interior design as a course. That makes me so jealous. My life could be so different right now. But at the same time, I'm glad. Like, you get to where you are, and I'm happy that I took the path that I took to get here. But that's awesome. That was not a thing in my school. So. Yeah, I didn't think it was either. And it was totally a throwaway elective. I just had to take something. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'll just take this. It'll be, yeah. you know, there's tons of freshmen yeah. in there. I'm like, I just need to do it. So. so what was it about graphic design that wasn't, because in theory, you could have started a business in graphic design, right? Mm-hmm. And so what yeah. was it that it wasn't doing for you? I think for me, I started to realize pretty soon that I wasn't able to creatively do things on my own. Um, a lot of graphic designers are put in a position where the boss is kind of dictating what they do and like creative freedom. There isn't really much to it. And it just kind of felt a little repetitive in what I was able to do. And what really drew me into interior design is that each problem is different. Every project is unique. Mm-hmm. And whether it be the budget or just the client themselves, there is no exact project. And I really like the creative freedom that I have with doing interior design. Right. Okay. So before we get started talking about um, the reason I reached out to you, we're just going to do a quick rapid fire round. So I'm basically just going to ask you a series of questions and I want you to answer them as quickly as you, as, you know, as quickly as it comes to mind. So you don't need okay. to overthink any of it. All right. So what is your favorite go-to paint color? Oh, oh, that's really hard. Um, I'd probably go with uh, the Simply White. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really drawn to white. There's just something about having a blank canvas that's so great. Yeah. I'm really um, drawn to white too. I'm, I'm also that guy. So, okay. Favorite trade vendor. Have you been sort of working with trades, uh, trade yeah. vendors? Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite one right now would have to be made goods. Um, everything they have is just beautiful and it's not like, it's very organic in like how it's structured. There's no like fine lines and just really pretty to look at. I'm so excited to be able to put it in a client's house soon. Like, yeah. I've been so hoping you- on that. What's that? I've been like, I've been holding out and hoping that I could use it. And I had a client yeah. who approved a light fixture recently. Yay! So. Awesome. Congratulations. That's always very exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, before I ask the next question, I, how, when did you launch your business then? I officially launched it in January of this year in 2018. Um, but I was kind of in the planning stages for a good six months before I kind of pulled the trigger. And what, like, describe what, I guess, that, what your first six months slash six months planning, six months in actually launching has been like in one word. In the planning phase? Yeah, just, uh, you know, if you had to describe your experience, let's actually talk about when you launched your business. So six okay. months ago or whatever, January, that's not, seven months ago. Um, um, eight months ago, we're in August now. <laughs> um, so yeah, try to describe how you, how that's been for you in like a word or a very quick sentence. Um, nerve wracking and exciting. Uh, I think like at first it was like, it was crazy to think that I was launching a business at such a young age. Cause uh, at that time I was 21 
And, but at the same time, I was so excited to kind of get myself out there. Cause when you're in school, it's all about case studies and you don't see a final product. And I was kind of, I was kind of sick of that repetition. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, go out on your own, get everything ready. So that when I graduate, I have an extra level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, um, what, like, what made you think, where did you get the confidence? This is not rapid fire right now. <laughs> confidence to even think like I'm going to start my own business um I have to say I would have to get it from my husband Uh, when I met him he was uh, running his own business and he kind of did the same thing he just did it on his own it's a miniature painting studio completely out there um and I think I started I started to kind of give him his own business advice and helping him with his business and he's like you need to have your own you're like yeah you're right I do need to have my own so I kind of went out in that route. And I think just the confidence of getting myself out there, I'm, I'm actually an introvert, but when I'm passionate about something, I become an, a complete extrovert. And so yeah. I was really afraid of putting my name out there and saying, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. And does your hu- husband have a website? Yes, he does. Do you want to share with everybody what the website is so that we can give him a little plug? <laughs> yeah, it's a praiseworthystudios.com. A, a lot of the stuff that he does is like miniature painting, like tabletop D&D stuff. It's okay. really cool. It's very detailed and yeah. he'll just sit there for hours and just work on the tiniest of things. Okay, so I'll make sure to share a link to that in the show notes so that if anybody's interested, they can go check that out. Okay, um, Okay. back to rapid fire. <laughs> All right, who is your biggest design inspiration? Um, I would have to say right now it would have to be Veronica Solman. Yeah. She is, I, I love her use of color and pattern. She's not afraid to use, to be bold and to use bright colors. And I find that a lot of people in the U.S. are the exact opposite. We're so color shy. Yeah. So I really look up to her because I would love to be that, but I'm still yeah. kind of working up to that, yeah. to that freedom. Yeah. Okay. And do you have a favorite design book? Um. I don't actually. I mean, most of the books that I really like are marketing and sales. Oh, what what so, favorite? That's fine. Share with one, uh, me one of those, maybe. Yeah, I'm so all about it. So bring it on. <laughs> so my favorite sales book is called "In Business as in Life." You don't get what you deserve; you get what you negotiate. You shared that recently in the Facebook groups, and I added it to my my uh, my my um my reading list. So what what is the biggest takeaway from that book? Would you say? Um, so the biggest takeaway would have to be that the whole book is based on the idea that we can create win-win situations whenever we're talking to people and that there are ways in negotiating and kind of, um, deflecting or like whenever you have an issue brought up and you kind of want to bring it down, you know, people can get really riled up when something's wrong. Um, so essentially it teaches you all the steps and basics to kind of come out on top of a situation or something that's like a conflict and I found it really useful. I mean, even in my day-to-day reactions with my husband, um, I'm able to sit back and kind of understand their feeling, understand what I'm feeling, and emulate it in a way that isn't going to offend anyone and make mm-hmm. us both happy in the end. Yeah, I love it. We might want to talk about that a little more after, actually. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, who is your... Hold on, now you just answered that one. Um, but yeah, who's your favorite, favorite celebrity designer? If you have one. Oh, Emily Henderson. Good one. Definitely. Yeah. Good one. Real good. Her her designs are just so fresh and I love them. Yeah. I love it. Okay. 
We're going to get right to the topic at hand, people. So here's here's the reason why I reached out to Olivia. Um, I okay, and you might need to refresh my memory on the exact post because I copy and pasted some stuff, but it was not the original post. So okay. the someone was commenting. Maybe it was me. I don't even know. But someone was commenting in a Facebook group about pricing, and you talked about uh, your strategy for pricing and how you you something about you basically no matter what would charge 20 hours up front and the rest goes to hourly. But you know what? I'm going to let you share with us your pricing strategy and how you would communicate that with a client. Okay. Do you want to talk also about the shipping stuff? Cause I know you mentioned we'll that. We'll talk about that too. After, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's actually I, what I copied here and what I had. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's start with the, the pricing structure. Yeah. So a lot of the projects that I do, I mean, I, Aside from like kitchens and bathrooms, which are on their own special niche because there's so many finishes, you know, little things. Um, a lot of the decorating stuff that you do, the same amount of items are in each room, whether it be a living room or a bedroom or any like a dining room. As much time usually goes into those rooms, even for, you know, lots of pieces. Um, so I made it so that up front, I asked 20 hours. Um, we have our meeting, we have our consultation, we talk about everything. At the very end, we say, okay, 20, 20 hours up front, which for me, my hourly right now, right now is 125. So that's 2,500 up front. Okay. Um, and that usually, and that covers the whole design phase and including, I'm usually, I average about 12 out, like 10 to 12 hours during the whole design phase. So I have about eight hours left for anything that might come up or any changes that need to be done to the design. Um, but on average, I do about 35 to 40 hours a room. So if a client ever asks like, hey, what's going to be my, my budget for you? I usually say, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to might decrease, might increase, but it's going to be about 5,000 up front, which is 40 hours. And that's per room. So yes. um, what happens after the 20? So what would, what would happen once you get to the 20 hours that's kind of gone when do you actually when is it you're triggered to then ask for more money and what does that look like um so I give out a warning to my client just through an email or if I happen to be with them um two hours prior to when it finishes at the 18 hour mark I let them know like hey we've got two hours left just to give them a warning because I I like to you know keep my clients in the loop on what's happening I don't want to surprise them and say surprise we're five hours over yeah um and then once we hit that zero mark I just bill them bi-weekly, as, uh, bi-monthly as things come along. Okay. So do you bill them after the, so it's kind of like now you're tracking your time and how do you track your time? I track my time throughout the entire project. Um, and I use my own CRM system for that. Um, it has like a time tracker in it. What, what's your um, CRM system? Do tell. Uh, yeah. I use Dubsado. I just started Dubsado. It's so great. You'll oh love it. Oh my God, I love it so much. I literally just started it a week ago and I'm just kind of, okay, we are going to talk about Dubsado. I'm very, okay. I don't use it. I'm not going to use it for time tracking because I use Toggle and Toggle. It's a little too generic. Like it's too simple in, in Dubsado for, for me. I mm-hmm. like to be able to tag like the time, like it's phase one, phase two, just so I can drill down a bit, but um, we're going to circle back to Deb Sato. That's okay. Awesome. I can't wait. Um, okay. So, so basically what you're saying is uh, 18 hours. It's like, okay, alert. We're gearing up to get to 20 hours. Then once you get to 20 hours, you're just going to start uh, sending a bill 
every twice a month. So bi-weekly, I guess it is, or bi-monthly. It's like the first mm-hmm. month, 15 of the month, call it. And it's, it's after the hours have been done or are you pre-planning what you think is going to happen? So it's after the hours have been done. So I don't bill until I've actually punched in those hours. Yeah. Um, and I do it. So it's the Thursday prior. So I do, um, so I start on a Thursday and then I go two weeks and that's where the Thursday ends. And then that Friday, all that time from the past two weeks gets billed on that Friday. Okay. It just kind of continues the cycle. Every two weeks on a Friday, they get another bill. And if it's really small, like less than a hundred dollars, I probably won't send it out. You'll just wait um, till the next invoice. Yeah, because I don't want to send them little bits. Yeah. 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 Okay. And do you um so what happens if would you and I think we talked about this a little bit in the either in our private message. Um so if you had, say, a client come to you with five rooms. I don't know. We're going to come up with five rooms right now. So bachelor bedroom, guest bedroom, living room, dining room, let's call it four rooms. Four rooms. Okay. <laughs> um, would it be as simple as to say like it's 20 times four. So 80 hours is what the minimum would be. Um, I haven't got a project that large yet, but I did just do one for two rooms. Okay. And, um, I, I presented two options. I said, look, we can do 15 hours per room instead. So it'd be in the end, they would owe me 30 hours to start the project. Yep. Um, or I could just say, look, why don't we do one room at a time? And instead at the end, they picked the 15 hours. So in the end it was uh, 30 hours that I built them up front. Okay. Um, cause I, I guess my, the reason I asked that is, I feel like for myself, and I've like shared this in my Facebook group, how I find the bigger the project is, those numbers get so big. And and even with our best efforts, and we know how long it's going to take, those numbers scare even ourselves. So then we start to do basically that whole like 15 hours. And instead of the 20, even though realistically, it's probably still going to take 20 maybe. But I also do understand there are some efficiencies that may happen as a result of doing more than one room at a time. But Um, I'm just curious, like, you know, whether it's, it becomes difficult for you to quote those. Um, but at this point, if you haven't, I mean, obviously you're not, it's hard to say at this point. Yeah. I mean, the, the two rooms I have right now, the biggest project, um, and maybe it, it wasn't, I find the hardest part for me, um, trying to get the hook into the client and say, you need me after that billing services. Like I don't really look at the dollar amount anymore. It's, you know, that, that's the cost it is to the client. Um, and if I have a, a client that's hesitant up front, then I'm probably going to deter them to a different service that I offer. Cause I have a range of services. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, you can see kind of red flags when they come up at the beginning, you thought, Oh, maybe this isn't the best option for them. Um, but I kind of, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I kind of mentally moved the decimal over to places to the left. It just yeah, a little bit smaller. Yeah. And, and have you found though, or like before you've been able to mentally do that, that sending those invoices sometimes is like, Oh my God, I don't want to hit send. And, and you struggle with it a little bit. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'll, I'll like sit there and I'll look at it and I thought, Oh gosh, I, I really hope they accept it. And in the end they always do, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a little I, scary, it is but scary. I don't change the numbers. I just look at it for a good amount of time. And I just kind of like, okay, yeah. I'm going to hit send <laughs> yeah. and that's how it's going to be. It's so funny. Um, okay. So do you feel that you legitimately will build like track all of your time for every single thing? Is there anywhere where you feel like you cut corners or do you really feel like, um, I'm tracking the time that I send an email to the client. I'm tracking the time that I get maybe on the phone. Like I'm curious on whether all of that gets tracked. 
Um, so I do track everything. The only thing I can't track is when I'm just thinking, like if I want to yeah. drive somewhere, not even work related yeah. about the project, I can't yeah. really build them for that. Cause that's yeah. just my free thought. Yeah. Um, but I, I do track all of my phone calls and my email communication and everything else. It's interesting because you talk about free thought and it's, it's like, it is something that, cause we're constantly, you're right. We're constantly thinking like whether it's on a drive or in bed when we can't sleep and you're thinking about the project and you aren't billing for that, but that is part of it. And I find it really interesting. I don't know if I heard this once through Kimberly Selden, but the, the whole idea behind, um, you know, let's say I gave you a flat, it's the value-based pricing. Like maybe it only took me two hours to do like an entire living room design. I don't know. But there was also all the time where you were thinking, but there was also all the time that you were looking at inspiration, whether it be on, on Instagram, in magazines, in books, and whatever it is that inspires you. And all of those things that you've put your time in plays a role. And I find it really interesting that you say that too, because it's, it helps make me feel a little better about sometimes like sending that email and going like, it's not just my hours. It is, you're not just paying me for my time. Right. I mean, if you, if you think about it, when you pick out a rug for a client, you pick out something that's, that's going to work for them and their lifestyle and their space. And it, for us, it might be a little easier because we know what size they need. We know what material would be best. And so our time isn't going to be as much because we already have all this background knowledge that we took out of our own time, whether it be for school or just teaching ourselves, um, to be prepared for our clients and be better for our clients that way. So they might look at that and go, Oh, it only took you 30 minutes, but you really can't sit back and go, wow, well, I went to school for X amount of years and I've read X amount of books, you know? And you know what else I've been thinking a lot about? And it's, it's like, I, and I've been very guilty of this and it's like, it's me trying to like flush through this in my head, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've been listening to Dak Shepard's podcast, which is called armchair expert. I highly recommend it. It's very good. He talks to a lot of like um, it, it has nothing to do with business, but it's still interesting to me because he talks to a lot of like, um, right. He talks to writers, he talks to, um, celebrities and, and he really talks to them about where they started. And he was talking to a writer about like, you know, how long do you, how long do you like write a sentence and like, think about it and this and that. And he got me thinking like, an artist, there's different, like your your husband, for example, it might take him a really long time to execute what he does. And there's a value like that he puts onto his art. But at the same time, like another artist who has a different style, but can can create a beautiful piece of work in only an hour. But that doesn't mean that we only pay him for an hour or like a writer who can write and bang something out really quickly, but the end result is beautiful. It's like, it's about the end result and it doesn't necessarily mean however long or short it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's just something very interesting I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. And it's, that's kind of the danger of charging by the hours because eventually you get faster and you're better at what you do. And so the goal is to make it that you could very well charge what would normally take you 20 hours up front, but you end up doing it in six. That's great. You made, you know, that much extra. Absolutely. So I'm okay. Let's, let's get into, um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about the proposal contracts, collect a 20 hour. This is terrible for the podcast right now, which I feel against. Okay. Let's talk about the purchasing and the cost of goods invoice and the 15% 
I'm just going to let you explain that um, as opposed to me trying to read it right now and then explain it because that's not good podcasting. So um, explain a little bit how you deal with purchasing that. Okay. Um, so I always ask for 100% upfront. That's always going to happen. Um, but once it comes to items, um, we, we've kind of had a lot of discussions in the industry how the um, freight changes, they keep on changing. They're not consistent. And they can be ridiculously high or they can be really low. It just kind of depends on top of all the other issues of things coming in damaged and everything. Um, so I came up with a system of just asking 15% for the product. Um, it's set aside as a retainer and it's credited against um, up until the end of the product. So as things come in, because you don't really get bills until after products. Yep. And same with install dates. Everything from install to shipping it out to the receiver, to them checking it, all that time or those bills that collect, I credit against that retainer that I take up front, which is 15% of all products. And for me, that is my price to the client, not their price, because I don't want them to do the math. Right, exactly. So um, I have to ask you this. Like, I feel like you seem like you're very process-driven. Am I wrong? I am. No, I definitely am. Okay. You also talked about automation in a completely separate feed. You said like, you know, automating as much of your business as possible. So I would love to hear more about um, what you meant by that and what type of systems you may either have automated or are planning to automate in your business. Right. Um, So this kind of ties back to Dipsado. Yes. Um, That's what I use for a lot of my automation. And a lot of it really comes down to email reminders um, and just payment reminders even. So for example, if I get a call, um, if I want someone who needs to talk to me for what I call a discovery call, which is just 15 minutes of them, me trying to figure out what they want and if they want to work with me. Um, so they'll set, they'll go to my website, they'll be able to set it there. And I've made it automated so that when they, when they set a time, they get email reminders saying, Hey, this is happening, you know, like I think a day before is when it sends out a reminder. And the same thing happens in Dubsado um, when I have a consultation coming up or even when I send out an invoice and let's say it doesn't go unpaid, the system does it automatically. It's like I have a setup so that it sends the reminders and says, hey, you need to pay this invoice or hey, this wasn't completed correctly. And for me, those little emails, especially the ones where you're asking for payment because the client may have forgotten. It's really it's hard. Also like it removes our own issues with like, Oh, I have to ask for it again. Right. It's like, you don't even have to think about it. It's so yeah. Good. So it just happens on its own. And I think a lot of automation kind of comes down to setting up your own process. If you have your own process for everything, like I'm, I'm creating my own process book right now. Um, and it goes from everything from bringing a client on to um, purchasing orders and everything that goes into interior design um, specifically for me because I like having lists and knowing exactly what needs okay. to get done but I go through that and I go okay what can be automated what can just go out on its own without my help mm-hmm. um, and it's really good for in the future when I need to bring someone else on I could just say you know here's my book take it yeah yeah so, so um what what uh, calendar uh, service do you use for scheduling appointments I use Acuity okay um, and out of curious, so this is the one part that I, I talked to Dub Soto. I had a, they took me last, uh, it was Monday. No, what day is it? Monday was a holiday in Canada. Oh, okay. And so it was Monday. I talked to him on Monday. So I paid for, I literally just set up my Dub Soto on Sunday 
And I sent out two proposals and a finishing touches budget all through Dubsado. And uh, I'm going to back up, actually. For those of you who don't know what Dubsado is, (laughs) because everybody's like, this is not a common product that people uh, are talking about in any of these groups. So, but people I think are familiar with 17 hats. I've heard some people talk about 17 hats. It's very reminiscent of 17 hats. Not that I've used it, but it's basically where you can track your lead process. So lead comes in, you could have it automated where you create a form on your website. When somebody requests, uh, you know, anything from you, it goes right into your lead system. You could create your own funnels. You can then also like if someone schedules a discovery call, it could, for me, I have created all this in Visita, but it's manual. So now I'm going to recreate it all in Dubsado. So if you, if you schedule an appointment with me, here's the email that you would get that says like, Hey, go check this out on my website. Go, here's some more information. Here's what you should do to prepare, da, 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 whatever. And then the really good part about it is that you can also create templates with your contract, which Yes, that's not new. Hello sign does that. DocuSign does that. But in this case, it's really cool because you can create um, dynamic fields so that it actually will fill in your services prices on its own, your client name on its own, and you can you can use it as a template, but then customize it because the client has a specific need. What else can it do? fill in any gaps that I might be missing. It's, it's a really good product. You did a really great job. I think the best feature would definitely have to be a proposal feature, um, especially yeah. since we need to have everything that we present to a client needs to be approved, each individual yeah. item. Um, so what happens with proposal is you create a template, just like you were saying, um, and you can make it so that it'll show the image of the product, it'll show the price, it'll show approve. And all the client has to do is just click approve on all those items. It'll automatically calculate all those items into the invoice and then it'll bring them to a contract where they can sign it off and then they can pay the invoice and it happens all in one go. Um, I love that because I have heard designers who they'll send like an Excel spreadsheet and they have their client do the math or it's just kind of a mess. But this way you don't even have to be there. You can just present to the client and they, the math is all done for them and they can pay right there. If you know the invoice they have e-transfer options and they also have credit card options, but they can look at that invoice and go, okay, I'm going to write you a check for this. Yeah. And just like for me, I, I'm not planning on using it that way, but I still see a huge value because I use Ivy for a lot of that already, but Mm -hmm. I still, for everything else it does to me is still so worthwhile. But if somebody doesn't want to use Ivy or my Doma, this is, you could create templates exactly like you said. It also, one last thing I will say about it is, it creates workflows, so rep- repeated tasks for any specific... I haven't set these up yet. Have, have you worked done these ones yet? I have, and they're, they're a little tricky to work with. That's, I think, the hardest thing with working with Dubsado is trying to figure that out. But if you get sticky notes and you know your process, it makes it a lot easier to set up. Yeah, so I, I basically... That's the next thing. They're amazing, though. I sent them my consultation. So one other thing it will do is things like, okay, client... Uh, schedules their consultation, it'll automatically send out the questionnaire through Dubsado, which can be created right in Dubsado. All of their answers to the questionnaire will be in the client's um, little client, what would you call that? The little portal. Thank you. And all of that's like easily accessible. And I sent Dubsado the surveys I needed recreated and they recreated them for me free of charge. And they did it within a day. So I'm just like, 
Dubsano is awesome. I should get them to sponsor me. <laughs> <this podcast. laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really awesome. How long have you been using it? I've been using it for four months now and um, my my husband loved it. He saw me using it and now he uses it. And I know tons, I've recommended them to tons of photographers and everything because it really is geared towards photographers and creative, um, any really creative business. Um, But they are constantly coming out with new features and their customer service, like you said, is amazing. They do so much for free. Um, And like I'm, Two features I'm really looking forward to that they're going to hopefully launch this year because um, they, they continuously launch things. Yeah. Um, one is the scheduling, just like Acuity, I to have everything inside yeah. of it. Super excited for that. Easy. And they're also going to add vendors soon so that yeah. we can have contracts with all of our trades and contractors. Yeah. Okay. This is a pretty cool tool, guys. I would definitely check it out. And you you get a free trial for like three leads, um, but I blew through those like immediately so I just upgraded right away I was just like this is to me the proposal alone it makes me feel somehow like putting together a proposal is so like and by proposal for context of listeners I don't mean furniture proposal although yes for that too it would be easy but if you're a user of Ivy or my Doma then you're probably not too stressed about that but for the service proposal, like after the consultation, like, hey, do you want to work with me? This is what it's going to cost. This is the agreement you need to sign. Um, what happens too, I got to keep going on this one. It's you create a proposal that says like, this is the fees to work with me. This is the potential pricing for your furnishings. If you're cool with it, accept it. It'll uh, Instead of putting your contract in your proposal right away, they clip, yep, I want to move forward. And you can have a toggle button that says, you know, I want these add-ons. So I created my proposal to say, this is your base package. Window treatments are X, X. Um, Sourcing is X. So that people can just say, I only want you to do a design. Uh, They can untoggle a checkbox and it automatically updates the prices. Then they can accept it. Then it automatically goes into your contract, which they sign. And if you have it all set up like this, then it automatically invoices them. It's amazing. It's great. And I what I really love about the proposals feature is that um like you said doing add-ons and also um keeping your process all clean in the one space because you can create a template for everything. All you have to do is change so like for my proposal like one of mine um I have it selected so that if a client is like at the end of a consultation if they're ready to just start my my services I can just check boxes right there and it'll start, like you said, doing all the totals and everything. I I can just hand it right to them. That's awesome. I really like that actually. And, um, what I, what it's kind of forced me to do too was I've, I've realized that if I separate, uh, uh, my services into buckets of like, what they're getting. So if I were to just say, okay, my services for this project is $10,000, it's a scary number. Now I can, I would say, all right, the base is four grand window treatments. Sorry. Design is a thousand. I'm just making up numbers right now. Um, and so on and so forth. Like, um, art selection, I've made that its own thing too um, sourcing and in, they can see like where, cause I've realized it's the same psychology as if I tell somebody your budget should be $50,000 for furnishings. They're like, Oh, but if I say, here's where the $50,000 is going, they go, Oh, 
Yeah, itemizing everything really helps for for the client and for you because now you have everything in order and they don't have to sit there and go, well, what's the price now if I take this off? It shows right there what their new price would be. Yeah, it's a killer tool that I know is only going to get better over time. And for me, I think it's going to transform the my psychology behind building out my service proposals which right now I don't like doing it at all it's just so time consuming but I think it's going to be awesome okay um moving along so Olivia I'm very impressed by you and your for being so young I feel like you're very smart and you just like I feel like you have a confidence. You have an old, you're like an old soul to me. Have you ever been told that? Oh, yeah, I have. I, and most people that meet me, they, you know, when they find out my age, they're like, what? I thought you were like 28 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. This is my age. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that helps, but, um, have you found like, how has your confidence been going into clients for your first time? And has that been any, like, have you had any struggles with that and how have you overcome that? Um, I think the hardest thing for me is getting out of the car and walking up to the door. Um, once I start talking, it's very natural. Um, and that might be just because my, my, my mom is in HR and she's been doing HR for so long. And I've, she's worked remotely for a long time in my life when I was at home. And so I heard everything when she was discussing uh-huh. with people and I did lots of customer service jobs working in the hotel industry. And so I feel like the customer service side of me comes out really well when I'm talking to people and of course, the fact that I'm passionate about what I'm doing, people see that and they go, oh, wow, I'm excited now too. Mm-hmm. You know? And do you, out of curiosity, so do you, out of curiosity, do you feel like you try to, um, you on your website, try to make yourself like appear older, just out of like, a, a, you worry maybe people might find you really young and be like, struggle with like, oh, she seems young. I don't know if I might be able to trust her in my home kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, I do kind of run into that mostly with uh, contractors and builders. They look at me and they're like, are you, you sure you know interior design? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I try and dispel that by being so open about discussing. Like, for ex- example, I recently started a group called The Design Dilemma. And I can just, anyone can ask any questions about interior design, just quick questions. And I'm open to talking with anybody. And that includes doing Facebook lives. And especially if you look at my website, it's very friendly. It kind of yeah. comes across as, hey, we're friends. I want to help you. Here's how I can help you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's my way of dispelling the fact that I am young. Yeah. And it's working so far. Well, I think it's freaking awesome because I wish I had that kind of confidence at your age because I'm... I'm turning 39 tomorrow. And so, yeah. And so, and I sometimes feel like people, and I, I realize that like, I do look younger than my age, but in that I get weird. Like, I feel like I want to scream, like I'm 39 people. Like I'm like, I'm not as young as I might appear. And I was at a consultation on Wednesday, I want to say yesterday, two days ago, whatever day. And, um, it was an older lady. She also looked young for her age. And she told me her age. She, I want to say she said she was 72 and I was like, Oh my God. And, and I want I said to her, I go, well, you know, I'm, I'm turning 39 on Saturday. She's like, Oh, I would have thought you were like 10 years younger than that. And she was like, I, at first I was a little unsure and I was like, that's very interesting. Cause I, I do often wonder that. And I will say like on your website, even the photo you have, like you do seem like very mature. And I think you've done a really good job of presenting yourself and not to say that you need to do that, but let's be real. Like people make their unfortunately rash judgments based on initial impression impressions. 
Mm-hmm. But she did also say like, you know, I was drawn to your personality, which I was like very happy. I mean, it would be really nice to hear like I was drawn to your portfolio. <laughs> but she, she openly admitted my, my portfolio was not in her style. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I was drawn to your personality. And I was like, I take that as a big compliment. And I think you've done the same thing on your website. So kudos to you. And like, you. you're, you're just, I'm in awe of you right now that you have this confidence so young. It's amazing. And that you're not <laughs> just crazy. doing it. And it, but it's, you're not just like doing it. Like you're taking it seriously. Like you're reading a book about sales. I mean, that's, you're for real. Yeah. And I was like, I was, you know, pursuing, finishing my degree in interior design. Um, and they, they, we took a few sales classes and they said, they kind of approached me like, do you want to double major in professional sales? I said, heck yeah, I love these classes. So I'm double majoring now. And it's so useful. Like I did, I did hospitality for a long time, like working in jobs at the front desk. And I learned a lot there, but these are things, I mean, in essence, no one really likes salesperson. Like, you know, there's kind of a bad connotation behind it, but interior designers are salesmen. I mean, we go to our clients and we say, you need to buy these furnishings and here's why. And we need to be able to sell to them. So can you share with us some key things that you've either, that you think are so valuable? And I feel like you did share some in the group recently. So why don't you share some of them here, but either that you read in the book or that you've gotten in the other, um, like course that you're taking in school that you think would be very valuable to, to some of the listeners. Yeah, I think um, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but that win-win strategy, um, essentially what it is, is it makes it so that you, you get a piece of a pie, your pie gets bigger, and you both walk away with more benefit to your business and how things worked out. And I think it. what I love about the win-win strategy is that you can apply it to any situation. Um, so if, for example, you have, let's say you have a a disagreement with a contractor and things aren't moving the way you want to, you can just sit down and say, Hey, what can we do to make sure that we both benefit from this outcome? And that, that can really apply to anything. If you're having any tension with a client or a trade, um, or even if you're just trying to kind of pitch an idea to someone to expand your business, just sit there and say, what can I, what can we do to help each other out and have us both walk away happy? Um, takes on a whole different meaning because then the other person sits there and goes, Oh wow, they want to help me instead of let's fight, you know? Yeah. Okay. And what, and do you have any other ones that you want to share? Cause I feel like you did share a really good one that I want you to say as well. The one about, you know, the one that you posted and I was like, Oh, that's so good. And everybody was like, Oh, that's so good. And I think it was about like on a phone call. If someone says some weird stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so, so a lot of the stuff in sales, um, we, we, first off, let me just say that, um, I don't want anyone to take it as like, like intimidation factors. Um, they're not bad. Um, yeah. they can be used to your advantage. Don't abuse them. Like don't go too far. Yes. We don't like pushy salespeople. Yes. Um, but yeah. you can use them to your advantage. So I think the one that you're talking about, um, if you're ever having a difficult client, you don't have to respond right away. If they bring up some crazy notion where they're like, you're just too expensive or I can't afford you, this is ridiculous. Wait a few seconds and then respond. There's something about silence. And this is kind of something that I took um, in the book. It describes like different cultures. This is kind of how the Japanese do it. There's something about silence that really sets people in the mood and go, oh, I need to pay attention to what they're saying. They're serious. Right. So are, is it the, is the idea just so I'm clear that you, you don't respond right away and, 
And in theory, they're just going to undo what they've said? Or is it just, I, I take a break and then I say what I'm going to say? It's, I take a break and then I say what I want to say. Okay. So and if you can read that book that I suggested, I will. there's a lot of options. I mean, um, it's talking about how like the um, Arabs, like how they do things is very friendly. If there's ever a contention that you're having with a client, take them out on a walk, take them out to dinner, do something with them to break that tension. And you can come back to business later. Um, and there's, there's it. so, I mean, I, I could sit here and talk about it all day. There's so many tips in that book and I love that book and I'm probably like, I just finished reading it and I'm going to read it again. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to share that in the show notes too, for sure. What, what about, um, have you taken anything from that book that you feel has been valuable for your, say your initial call or your initial consultation that you've started implementing on either on in either, um, situation that's been helpful? Um, so I wouldn't say that book in particular, um, but a lot of the sales program that I'm going through, they focus on what's called the spin strategy. Okay. Um, and it's, it talks about how you can gear your questions when you're trying to so like, for example, when you're meeting a client for the first time and you're trying to figure out what you want from them on a discovery call, um, it gears you and sets you up in a way that you ask specific questions. So the first one is a situation question. Um, and that essentially goes into just getting the basics, like how many people are in your family? What kind of services are you needing? And then problems, like kind of picking out the problems that they have and making it kind of grow on their end so that in the end, you know, you have a solution and they go, oh, yeah, I need that. And you go, great, this is what I can provide for you. Um, so if you look the spin strategy, any of their books, I would specifically recommend their field book because um, it lets you, it goes over um, what you learn. And you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because it is very, um, most of the stuff they talk about is B2B. So business to business. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely apply it to your own, um, to your own work. Um, but the field book is so great because it tells you, it shows you step-by-step step what each one means. And then it says, okay, now apply it to your own situation or your own service. Um, and I think for me, it really, it really helps get into the mentality that even though we're offering a service, um, we should be thinking in the of how we can problem solve for our clients. What, what benefit are they going to get out of it instead mm. of saying, oh, look at all this cool stuff you're going to get. It's like, what, what are the true benefits? And really listing them out so that when your client is kind of hesitant, you can go, look, this is what I can solve. And they go, wow, that, that's great. You know, I never would have thought that you could do that. Yeah. I'd so... Uh... That is awesome. And I love it. And I'm totally adding these to my reading list of, I live, if I were to look at my, what's it called? Goodreads.com. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a website where you just kind of like keep adding books to your reading list. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my reading list is at like 200 books. So it's a little out of control and I don't really know how to manage it right now, but I'm, I'm definitely, I'm so intrigued by by this whole sales stuff because it's so true. And I think it's one of those things that I need to do a lot of work on. And I think it's so amazing and smart that you have like knowledge that early on. So for you, what, what piqued your interest as far? Like, I mean, we all know that like sales is part of what we do, but, but what was the catalyst for you to say like, no, I really just, did you read the book because the, the course recommended it or did you read the book? Like how, what was the order of that? Um, so with the program, you have to take, I think, four classes that are required. Um, and the first couple I took, I was like, this is so lame. Like this is, you know, this is sales. Like what am I doing? Um, but I did take one class, um, that specifically talked about personalities and getting on people's, like understanding people's personalities ahead of time and understanding your own so that you can best cater the conversation 
So they walk away happy. Um, and I, I found that so interesting. It's called a uh, disc personalities, D I S. Yes. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so it really goes into, cause each person can be categorized in D I S C. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have a bit of both. So for me, I am a critical thinker, a C. I like my, I'm calculative. Mm-hmm. I like to give facts. And for some people that's really intimidating. So if I'm talking to, an I person who is very like out there doesn't really care about the facts. And I start listing facts. I'm going to bore them to death. Like they're, they're not, they're not going to be interested, but because I know that they're kind of out there and I reach that level of like getting excited with them, they feel that I'm on board and I'm on the same page. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the strategy comes down to understanding your own personality and then understanding everyone else's personality and saying, okay, especially when there's const- when there's conflict you can sit there and go oh you know that person's a d they're very dominating um i shouldn't i should, you know if i'm if i'm kind of more of an s and like kind of in the supportive role i need to find a better way to cater to them because they're probably not going to hear me because i'm on yeah. the exact opposite spectrum i love that and i actually do think that that's so good um i've worked with people in corporate world and or just I've had friends in my life who um, don't know how to talk. They talk to all people the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize like that is not an effective way to get what you want or get what you need. Yeah. Um, I don't think like I'm perfect at it, but I, I like to think that I understand that there's different ways to talk to different people, but I do love that. I, I'm going to look into that. I feel like I have so many takeaways from this. I love it. Thank you so much. So, okay, Olivia, you have shocked me and, and shocked in awe right now by you. And I think that um, you're going to do really well for yourself. And I feel like you're doing a really good job of, not waiting till everything's perfect to get started because you didn't wait till you had your, your full core, your full um, degree and you're collecting information and yeah, no, you're going to do well. I'm very excited for you. So why don't you share with everybody uh, where they can follow you and your website? Yeah. So my handle for everything is at olive and co design. Um, and then sorry, the I to interrupt. That is the cutest. I love that name. It's a great name. Oh, thank you. Everyone in my family calls me Olive. Um, only other people that I know call me Olivia. Yeah. So it, it felt very fitting. That's um, awesome. And then my website is oliveincodesign.com. And then I also have that uh, Facebook group called The Design Dilemma. Um, designers, you're welcome to join it. I'm okay with you. Just know that the nitty gritty interior design stuff, it, it's public facing. So. Yeah. Yes. No need for that there. But if you have like any questions about like where to hang a mirror or which paint's better, that's the perfect place to put it. I love it. So um, I will make sure to share all those links in the show notes. Thank you so very much, Olive. I'm calling you Olive now because we're on that (laughs) level now, right? Uh, Yes, we are. For being here, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on again. Yes. Well, there you go, guys. I that was such a great call with Olivia, and I was blown away when she told me her age. I couldn't believe it. Um, I really, really, really respect people who go out of their way to continue to learn, whether it be about business, sales, marketing, interior design, whatever it is. I just really respect that. And, um, and I loved all of the, uh, all of the things she shared with us in regards to sales. And it really got me thinking, I think I need to find somebody, a sales type person to 
interview and really dig into. So if you happen to know somebody, feel free to send me a message or post it in the Facebook group. Business homies, if you are not a current member in my Facebook group, then I encourage you to join. All you need to do is search for business homies in Facebook, request access, please answer the questions that I'm asking. I do not accept anyone into the group without having those questions answered. That helps me understand uh, whether you are a designer or a stager or whatever it is. Um, and at this point, the only people um, that are accepted in the group must be in the industry. So there you go. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please like and subscribe. Why do I keep saying like? You cannot like a podcast. Please subscribe. And if you think there's anybody out there that might enjoy the podcast or you know benefit from the podcast, please share it with them and let them know. And of course, leave a review if you're so inclined. Oh, once again, I keep forgetting that I want to read reviews to you guys. So here we go, guys. I'm going to find you another review to read and share with you. All right, guys. So I pulled up my reviews and I've got a couple new ones. I'm so excited. God, what fun this is. Okay, I'm going to read this one because I freaking love it. Uh, this is from Andrea Garone. Thank you, Andrea. My favorite podcast, five stars. Uh, Michelle is totally candid, insightful, bold, and inspiring in this podcast. Whether interviewing seasoned professionals or sharing her own experiences, she makes you feel like you're not alone on your personal interior design journey. Keep them coming, Michelle. Andrea, oh my God, that's just freaking the best. Thank you so very much for sharing that posting that and I will keep them coming. Uh, and I'm really sorry that this podcast was posted late. It's been one of those weeks, um, but I did it. I still got it out there and I hope you enjoyed it. I have some awesome podcasts lined up in the future. I've got one coming from, uh, I interviewed Carla Aston. It's a gooder guys. It's a real gooder. I also am doing a solo podcast where I'm going to answer a bunch of questions that some fellow homies asked me in my Facebook group. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please feel free to ask it in the group. Um, share it on the post where I requested the questions or post it in there. I'm happy to answer them. I would love to answer them to the best of my ability. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you now. Bye homies. <laughs>